Life is a piece of cake With layers defined by our mistakes So happy birthday Hooray! Blow the candles out Start another year Here's what you don't do and go hi hello everyone welcome to here's what you don't do the podcast where we talk about our assorted mistakes and failures and the things we've learned from them or haven't learned from them maybe we're just looking for third-party affirmation that the shit we do isn't as awful as we think it is you know whatever you need to get out of this Whatever I need to get out of this. Uh, with us today is Nathan. Hi, Nathan. Hi, Sam. How's it going? Welcome. Pretty good. Thanks for joining us. My pleasure. And right before we get started, everyone, check in with yourselves. Just take a minute. Think about where you are and what you're doing. And ask yourself, is this a good idea? <laughs> Are you, I don't know, swinging on a swing that's making suspicious snapping noises? Maybe move to the merry-go-round. Are you, uh, are you cutting the legs off of a pair of jeans? Because you can't pull off that Daisy Duke look. I'm sorry. I don't care who you are. Are you telling yourself that that edible didn't really feel like it did anything and you might need to triple the consumption. Yeah. You know what? Give it 15. Yeah. Don't get crazy. Give it a wait. Give it a wait. Are you looking at Google maps and it's telling you, Hey, this route might be faster, but it adds 15 miles to your route. It's not true. No, it's lying to you. Trust- are you looking at MapQuest? Come on. <laughs> what decade uh, are you from? Get back in your time machine and <laughs> get back to the year 2018. <laughs> Get out of 2001. Yeah, get out of there. You've got the technology for a time machine. What are mm-hmm. you doing on MapQuest? Mm-hmm. Well, now that, now that we've <laughs> given everybody a chance to summarize the shit they're messing up right now, right? Um, we're going to let Nathan start talking sure. about his journey to L.A. and back, right. a hobbit's tale. Mm-hmm. City of Angels, Los Angeles. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, that's what I'm here to talk about today. Uh, the Here's what you don't do uh, is regarding what you don't do if you want to move to Los Angeles and make it big or start acting or just make a career out of something that someone goes to L.A. to do, which is almost always something in the entertainment business. Yeah. There's a certain stigma I find behind, like, I'm moving to L.A. You don't really need to explain why you're moving there. Cause you would never move there if you're not trying to get into the entertainment business. Am I right? If you, you know, can- my, my dream to be an accountant actually, no, that's probably a good place to go. It could be so many people need finances done. It's true. It's there are a lot of different auxiliary uh, careers that spin off of the entertainment business. But most people, at least because like I'm, I'm an actor, I'm a performer. Uh, most, a lot of the people that I know and interact with are also in the same. So if anyone ever tells me I'm moving to LA, I pretty much assume whether, why they're going there. Your only Uh, reaction is, Oh buddy. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah, I, uh, 
Well, I, I have hope uh, because some people make it and some people reach for the stars and you know what? They grab it. They, they hang from Orion's belt and they make it. They're up there in the constellations and the rest of us move back home. Uh, but before we get ahead of ourselves here, uh, <laughs> <laughs> we don't want to get to the failure too fast. Right, right. Uh, so the backstory is uh, I went to Western Washington University in the theater department and I was an actor. I was a acting concentration in the theater department and uh, I uh, mostly played in the ensemble and musicals because I am a bass, not a tenor. Uh, I got a bunch, some lead roles my final year of college, which is right at that point where it's like I can't tell if I'm talented or if I've been in the program so long that they're finally throwing me a bone, uh, <laughs> <laughs> which puts you in a really precarious place of, uh, am I good at this or not? Am I yeah. good at acting? Um, and I wasn't really sure. I didn't know where I was going to go. Uh, to back up a little bit further, when I first started going to college, I thought I was going to be a pharmacy major. Uh, and that I was going to become a pharmacist uh, because I liked my mm. chemistry teacher and it made a lot of money. Uh, so I was like, hey, that's what I'll go It into. is a good job. Yeah, yeah, as far as money goes. Um, as far as personal satisfaction, uh, every pharmacist now that I talk to says, I make a lot of money, but I don't enjoy what I'm doing. Um, but that's, I'm not here to talk about pharmacy. Uh, <laughs> Because I took that's another episode. <laughs> it is. I took one quarter of pharmacy or chemistry rather, uh, and dropped it six weeks into it, and never even made it through one course. Uh, so then I was left with the, the kind of the point of view of like, well, what do I do now? And I had done acting in high school. I've always enjoyed performing. When I was a very small child, uh, I wanted. I told my parents I wanted to be a comedian, whatever that meant. Uh, I think I was probably thinking of like. Full House or America's Funniest Home Videos or things like that as, <laughs> as far as my idea of what comedy was. I want to professionally slip on ice. <laughs> right, yeah. I want to get kicked in the nuts repeatedly. Uh, <laughs> and get paid I feel for like it. that's going to be a metaphor that runs through this. <laughs> I want to get kicked in the nuts repeatedly. It just may. So, uh, pharmacy fails. I fall back onto what I th- uh, have done before and what I know I have a passion for, which is uh, acting. So I become a theater major. I get a minor in communications. I get a minor in Spanish and mostly to please my parents though. It's just like, what are the two two most useless, uh, employment, uh, minors that you can get communications in Spanish, (laughs) Uh, (laughs) because a minor in Spanish means that I can speak it, uh, conversationally, but not fluently. And a minor in communications means that I understand basic things about human beings. (laughs) I can communicate casually, but not fluently. I can talk like I'm doing right now and hold a conversation (laughs) and not get too flustered. Um, So I'm getting to the end of college. And at that point, there's two kind of things that happen. Uh, One, I'm in a relationship that I've been in for about two and a half years And I don't really know exactly where it's going, uh, but the idea is that we will continue to date past college. And number two, uh, about four, three or four of my other friends uh, approach me and say, hey, we're all moving to Los Angeles. Would you like to join us? And in my mind, I think, well, if I'm going to give this a shot, isn't this the time to do it? I'm done with college. I don't have any other uh, specific obligations or plans. Uh, this might be the time to 
uh, just go for it and see what I can do and see what I can find and learn things and just head out into the world and do my thing. And it'll take five of you to afford a room. So <laughs> it's funny. <laughs> the bigger a group you can go down in, the better. Yeah. One person bailed out. So it ended up being four of us. And uh, we ended up being in a two bedroom apartment in Studio City. Two of us to a bedroom. Uh, so four people total in a two bedroom apartment. Um, and uh, that was eventually what happened. But eventually I'm just like, or initially I'm like, yeah, this might be a good idea. So I go back to my girlfriend at the time and I tell her, Hey, this has been proposed to me. I'm thinking about doing this. And she takes it as a very personal statement of you're going to move to LA. You don't want to be with me anymore. And I'm like, no, I'm not saying that I'm saying this is a possibility in my life, but she took it very personally. Yeah. Uh, and so that added some like weight to the whole situation, but it was kind of the same where I was like, I think this is what I want to do. So I said, that's, I think, yeah, that's what I'm going to do. And she said, okay, I'm going to move to San Diego because that's where my parent, uh, my dad, my brother live. And I was like, oh, okay, well maybe that'll work out. You'll live in San Diego and I'll live in Los Angeles and I can still see you because it's only about 130 miles or so. Uh, I want to say. Uh, maybe 140. So uh, then it becomes a plan. I am now committed to uh, moving to Los Angeles. I'm going to try to move there to become an actor, to become an improviser. I've already done improv for a while. I was in the Dead Parrot Society at Western Washington University. That's where I got my start with improv, which is mostly what I do these days. And, uh, so I decided to go ahead and go down. Uh, we take one road trip to find our apartment. We find the apartment, we road trip back. Uh, and then, uh, just to add in the dramatic part, because I feel like this is important for the rest of it. Uh, during that summer, this, uh, girlfriend of mine, like things kind of like, we don't fully split up, but it's kind of like this. She's upset that I even was moving to LA in the first place, even though she's already, decided to go to San Diego. Yeah. So she like is, goes on a few dates with this other guy and I go into panic mode of like, Oh no, uh, this relationship's falling apart. I don't want it to end. So eventually she tells me that she stopped seeing this guy, but I'm still like, I need to reestablish this relationship. So the plan was for all four of us or three of us to caravan from Seattle down to Los Angeles uh, as a group of like three or four of us with a big moving truck and like a couple other cars. And we're yeah. going to do it as a group. Uh, we get to Puyallup where one of the people was and my friend Anthony, uh, and we're waiting to get into his mom's house, but she doesn't show up and she doesn't show up and she doesn't show up. And we're basically going to lose a full day of travel. Uh, and I say, Hey, do you guys mind if I just go? Like, I'm not going to stick with the caravan. I like, I need to go see about a girl, uh, to, (laughs) to borrow a quote. Um, (laughs) and, uh, they're like, yeah, go ahead. So I start driving at eight o'clock at night. I get to the California border at 4am. I sleep for four hours. Wake up at 8 a.m. because it's cold. Uh, because you don't think you just about like it being, park it on the side of the road. Yeah, pulled over at a rest stop uh, around Mount Shasta and slept for four hours. Uh, it gets yeah very cold. I wake up because of the cold. I start driving again at 8 a.m. I get to Los Angeles at about 5:30 p.m. So I've done the drive to L.A. in 17 hours. If you take out the four that the uh, sleeping requires. I pick up my key from the apartment building. I put a few things in my apartment and then I drive the additional three hours to San Diego 
and see my girlfriend. And I'm like, that's the most important thing to me right now is like getting that locked, not locked down. That sounds kind of strange, <laughs> uh, but like reestablished to like yeah, be like, yeah. we're, we're dating again. Right. Like I, I live here now kind of like I live up there. Um, so there was like a pseudo breakup in there. Yeah. There was like a, yeah. A pseudo breakup okay. kind of in the, in the middle of the summer where she was upset about again, about me being like, I'm going to move to LA and her, her feeling rejected. Um, and yeah, so I, at, at the time I was like, I want to be with her. Uh, before that point, I had never committed to somebody, I think to a point where I was like, this is the most important thing to me. Yeah. Uh, this relationship is what's like my first priority. Uh, and so <laughs> right before I moved to LA to make it big, I decide this person is my number one priority in life. Do you see where this is maybe going <laughs> to go? I mean, if I'm going to do one big thing, I may as well do all of them at once. Yeah, exactly. Not a problem. Um, so uh, I spend like a few days with her. I drive back up to L.A. to meet the guys once they've all arrived. And now I'm there. I'm in L.A. Time to get started. So what does that mean? Uh, well, how do you start... <laughs> Making it big in the entertainment biz. <laughs> I, have, I have no idea. Well, please tell me. <laughs> here's here's where we're going to get into the like the advice portion. Uh, I didn't really have any money saved up. I had like enough to pay like a month or two of rent. And that was about it, which means I didn't have any money for headshots because I didn't have any headshots. Uh, so you need money for that. And they're quite expensive if you're getting them paid for in yeah. Los Angeles. It's an important part of uh, auditioning for things. It's expected of you. And I knew that going into it, but I just didn't get them done when I was back in Washington. Uh, so I was like, okay, well, now I need a job in order to pay for headshots in order to go on auditions. So I start searching for work. I'm like, that, that takes priority first before I uh, even audition for anything first. I need to have yeah. income so I can pay rent. Uh, so I get a job. Uh, working for this uh, company uh, called DEI Worldwide. I have no idea if they still exist. I don't care about talking about them. <laughs> I didn't sign any non-disclosure <laughs> agreements, so I can talk freely. They sound fake already. Right, so I'm, right. I'm curious what they do. <laughs> so my job, uh, here's the amazing part. I lived in Studio City on Vineland and Ventura, and this office was three blocks from my apartment building. In Los Angeles, that is unheard of. That's no one walks insane. to yeah. work. You always drive or, yeah, you drive. No one takes public you just transportation. Suffer. <laughs> yes. You suffer in one way or another. Right. So I interview there. I get the job. And my job is to go in and talk to people in chat rooms about our clients' products. <laughs> That's now, not a job. Right. Sam, I'm going to let you ask one question off the bat because I feel like you have a lot already. <laughs> Hit me with one question. No, I'm just so, I just don't, I just, uh, uh, <laughs> I, just don't, I don't even know where to start. Sure. It sounds like, it sounds like several somehow pyramid schemes together. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You get one person in a chat room and you get them to talk to two other people in two different <laughs> chat rooms. 
And pretty soon they're all chatting. And then how many times have you been asked what you're wearing? There, oh, a man. Question. You are getting ahead of me because oh, you're, we're gonna get, yeah. <laughs> we're, we are going to get there. Uh, so uh, me and about 11 other people are all working on the same project, which is talking to people about the three new flavors of Grey Poupon Mustard by Kraft Foods. And my job is to go into internet chat rooms, chat rooms, which I'm sure don't exist anymore. (laughs) And barely, that was like the last days, like the meteor has already hit earth. The dinosaurs are dying. It's getting colder. The eye is getting, the sky is getting clouded over with ash and the chat rooms are foraging for food and are (laughs) gradually dying and starving and just resigning themselves to extinction. (laughs) That is the the era. But they still exist in weird places like uh, Yahoo has some chat rooms. They probably still have them. They might. It's like, but it's all the same. What I discovered is it's an insular community of people. Uh, who are still there and holding on to each other because if they don't hold on to each other, it will all disappear. Oh, friends. Uh, <laughs> right. Uh, if you're one of those people, stop it. Please. Go outside. Because in my mind, like if they do still exist, they're like uh, places like Gold Bar, Washington, where it's a ghost town where no one is in the chat room. It's just desolated and empty. <laughs> and every once in a while, someone walks in and the, the saloon doors swing back and forth and then they look a around. A digital tumbleweed. Right. Someone by. types ASL and a tumbleweed emoji comes by. <laughs> <laughs> it's the at symbol. That's the tumbleweed emoji. Oh, oh, oh this chat room's happening. Yeah, yeah. Right, right. I think you found your best source of income. So it was already pretty uh, desolate as it was back then, but there were people still there. So what I had to do was to go into these chat rooms and say, hey, my name is Nathan. I worked for Kraft Foods. We had to state that legally. How do you guys feel about mustard? (laughs) (laughs) Do you like to eat mustard? Do you like to cook with mustard? Have you thought about cooking with mustard? What type of flavor would you like if you were going to get into eating mustard? <laughs> so the ultimate goal. What, what flavor would get you into mustard? Mm, right. Yeah. There was a uh, a there was a honey mustard. There was a uh, spicy mustard and a coarse ground like mustard seed brown mustard. Mm. Those were the three flavors. I'll never forget it till the day I die. Um, <laughs> I still have stone ground nightmares. Right. Right. So uh, my. Uh, my job was to try to get screenshots of people talking about these products and giving, getting their genuine feedback. And if I could to talk to people in an instant message, separate conversation to get that one-on-one connection to hear what they really think. That's my goal. I have eight minutes in every chat room to get this done. That's my, like after eight minutes, I'm supposed to end conversations and move on to the next chat room. Now, like I said, there aren't many chat rooms left at this point, and there are 12 of us working on the project. I can swear, right? Oh, yeah. Go, <laughs> okay. go for it. Right. Uh, so what would happen is you would come in and say, hey, I'm Nathan. I work for Kraft Foods. And they instantly, in all caps, would reply, 
fuck off, mustard man. One of you was just in here talking to us. We don't want to hear about your three new flavors of Grey Poupon mustard, which are one, two, and three. They they had, had so many people coming into their chat rooms to shill mustard that they all knew the flavors. And they were real tired of hearing about it. <laughs> and they just didn't want to talk about that particular thing. Now, there's only one place where I could get people to talk about it regularly and often. And that was at the chat rooms at gay.com, which is a community for homosexual men. Um, and I would go in and they were pretty friendly and they would talk about it and be like, hey, do you want to chat about it one on one? Sure. I'd love to. Uh, what do you do with mustard? Well, I, sometimes I cook with it. Sometimes I will put it on in my food or things like that. Okay. Anything else? Yeah. I'd love to just like slather it all over your dick and go to town. <laughs> <laughs> so hot dogs. All right. 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 Yeah. So every single time, like, and like more power to them. Like, I'm just sorry that like, I, like, I felt like it was a, a, a dual negative situation where like they thought that maybe they're going to get some action and I thought that I was going to be able to talk to somebody about mustard and report it back to my seniors. Uh, and no one got what they wanted. It was just a negative experience for everybody. Yeah, you can't really screenshot that one. No, you can't. Take it back. So here comes the next part, which is where uh, they would encourage us to doctor our screenshots, to edit out text that was either insulting or negative or whatever, or change it or edit out, like, to yeah, to Photoshop, essentially, except it wasn't Photoshop. They weren't wealthy enough for that to pay for that licensing. Um, they would have us change the screenshots and then they would turn it over to their clients. And so I'm like, that's like bogus. It's, it, it takes the entire purpose of this entire operation and makes you could it, just make stuff up yeah. and not have to have these conversations in the first place. Absolutely. So the whole thing is kind of a, a sham. And so after working there for five weeks, I go to, my, uh, the CEO's office is at the end of the giant, like series of like desks that are all in a row. There's no cubicles, no walls. We're all just working at computers. And on my break, I'm like, I'm not going to do this anymore, but I kind of want to talk to that guy. So I walk into the CEO's doors, which one of the doors is open. And I come in and I'm like, Hey, my name is Nathan. We've never met. We've never talked. <laughs> Can I tell you about mustard? <laughs> <laughs> right. The honey mustard. We have three different flavors. Yeah. I'm so quitting. <laughs> I, I was like, can I talk to you for a moment? He's like, yeah, sure. Go ahead. Close the door. So I sit down and I vent for about 10 minutes and tell him everything that's broken about his company's system that doesn't work. That isn't good. That lies to their, their clients or in my opinion, at least, um, allegedly, uh, and, uh, how it doesn't work for us as employees and all these different things. And I'm just kind of like word vomiting all over him. And he's just like silently like listening and nodding and listening and nodding. And then, uh, I finish and he's like, well, thank you for telling me all of this. No one's ever said this to me before. Um, so thank you. I'm sorry that you'd feel like you don't want to uh, carry on in this position. You seem to have a lot of insight. Maybe we could find you another position that might better use your knowledge and insight to better serve this company. And I'm like, did I just quit myself into a promotion? <laughs> And he's basically offered me like a better or new job. Uh, what do you know and, about blenders? <laughs> well, eventually I moved on to Safeway gift cards off of mustard. Um, <laughs> but you know what you can buy with those? 
any of the new varieties of craft brand mustard. mustard. Right, yeah. They did all sorts of things. They did like NBC's new show, The Black Donnellys, which is like some Irish mob show. Like there were all sorts of products. Uh, They got the companies to buy into it. But I told them, I was like, no, I can't do that. Uh, I, I got a... I got to move out get out of here. And he was like, do you have another job lined up? And I was like, no, I don't. He's like, do you want to work here until you do? And I said, yeah, sure. And so he let me continue working there and they gave me a Christmas bonus, even though they know I was quitting. And <laughs> so, yeah, uh, that was like my first, like the first like chapter was just like, uh, what, what, like, I'm just trying to work. I'm working 40 hours a week, nine to five. Uh, so I don't have any time to really much like go audition for things. Cause I'm busy during the day. Yeah. And every other weekend I'm traveling to San Diego to go see my girlfriend for the entire 11 months that I'm there. That's pretty much the case is that I'm going every other weekend to go visit her and see her and try to like keep this relationship together and make her know that this is a priority for me. Did she ever come up to see you? Once. Mm. Mm. <laughs> mm. Yeah. It's the same distance both ways. It sure is. Uh, so, uh, that's going on. I'm seeing her. I'm not auditioning for anything. Cause I'm still trying to like get together some money. I'm making some money at that job. Like it doesn't pay well. It's like 12 bucks an hour, something like that. Uh, enough to pay rent and like to pay for like some like food and things like that or whatever. Three to five meals a week. Right. To buy a season pass to both the universal studios and, uh, magic mountain <laughs> six flags, uh, because we got priorities, them, we got them super cheap. We got them for like, it was like 90 bucks for a year pass for both of them. Oh yeah. They've got the locals, right? Right. Exactly. And we got California driver's licenses. So we were able to, uh, get that. That's all that matters. Yeah. And I lived, <laughs> I lived a mile from universal studios. Uh, so we would walk there. Uh, <laughs> we wouldn't even get in a car Fantastic. or pay for parking. We could just walk there. So, uh, I get a different job and I start working at the opening, the world or the national opening of the smart car dealership in Beverly Hills. Ooh, this is the very first time. Lux. It very well. That's the thing. Smart cars. Have you been in the smart car before? Have you driven uh, one? They're the baby ones. Yeah, the tiny two-seater ones. Yeah. Uh, they are not what you would think of as Lux. And even if they are brand new, <laughs> you can't convince rich people who the dealership for Smart Car was attached to Mercedes-Benz. And you can't convince rich people who just bought a Benz or are getting their Benz serviced that this Smart Car is actually fancy. <laughs> Would you like a Mercedes, but really tiny? (laughs) Right. (laughs) Miniature and made still by Germans, but. (laughs) Do you want a car that you could put in the trunk of your other car Mm -hmm, for safekeeping? mm -hmm. I literally had a guy come in and look at the car and look at the price tag and go, huh, it costs as much as my watch. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) And I hated him. Can you ride your fucking watch, sir? (laughs) I don't, think, I don't think so. I don't think, oh, it has wheels and a four-cylinder <laughs> four engine. Oh, wow. I How it, impressive. I take it back. <laughs> uh, yeah. So uh, I got a job working there, uh, but now the hours are kind of worse. They are 11 to 7. So that knocks out like any evening stuff Yeah. as far as auditioning for things. And uh, I'm still going to see my my girlfriend on every other weekend. So now I really have like no time to go audition for anything. I'm starting to accrue a little bit of money. I'm starting to like, I'm still looking at postings for auditions and stuff like that. 
but I'm going to take a, a sidebar and take, talk, talk about one of the things that I didn't do that I should have was that I didn't decide what it was I wanted to achieve before I went down there. Yeah. I didn't have a specific goal. I didn't tell myself I want to do uh, just improv. I want to write. I want to do TV. I want to do commercials, uh, any of that type of stuff. I just was like, I'm going to go to LA as if that was a plan. <laughs> <laughs> That's a plan as far as you get to the city and then you're in the city. (laughs) Getting there is the easiest part. Right. You got there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There's a life to supposedly lead. (laughs) Yeah. So I didn't decide what I wanted to do, nor did I know what I was good at. Uh, Oftentimes it makes it easier to decide what you want to do when you figure out the things that you're good at. Oh, but yeah. I'm, I'm 21 or 22 at this age and I didn't know what those things were. So I didn't know what to apply myself towards. So it was hard to really be like, I'm going to go for that thing or go for this thing or really like put all my effort into this particular audition. It just all seemed like, mm, I don't really know if I could get that. I don't really know if I could book that job or book this role or if I'm that type. I was cutting myself off before I had the chance to have someone else tell me no. Yeah. Yeah. Because I didn't trust myself. Uh, I didn't have confidence uh, in those things. So meanwhile, I'm like, well, I still have my apartment. I still have this job working at smart car. Uh, I still have my girlfriend who lives in San Diego. So might as well just keep carrying on with things. Uh, the smart car job was interesting because my manager, Vinny, always was just like, I'm connected because I've worked in Mercedes Benz or Beverly Hills for like 30 or 40 years. I know so many people. I've got so many connections. I can help you out eventually. We'll get you there. Don't worry. We'll get you towards your goals. Just work hard for me. And like, I'll make sure that like you meet somebody or the right person or whatever. That's nonsense. <laughs> He's paying me $12 an hour with no commission to work in a car dealership in Beverly Hills. He does not respect me or else like enough <laughs> To pay me that what I'm like worth at all. The so, idea that he's going to have useful connections. Like, yeah. Who, who are you going to take casting advice from? Car guy. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, this guy made sure I got a new muffler that works. He knows who all the extras should be. Exactly. Yeah. He, he can knock off $200 off my sticker price. He knows <laughs> so much about uh, what type would fit this particular indie drama. Uh, <laughs> yeah. We, we've been having a hell of a time casting the new Mission Impossible. <laughs> <laughs> but I know this guy working for minimum wage at the smart car dealership. You should have seen the look he gave me mm-hmm. when I told him that car cost as much as my watch. <laughs> He has the skills. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't even know if I did have the skills. I didn't know. Uh, so how am I supposed to tell someone else that I do as well? Um, but along the way I meet people who do work in the industry and I like understand kind of what the industry is about and what it's like. Uh, I'm, I'm just going to go through the laundry list of famous people that I met while working at the dealership. Ooh, name drop time. Ooh, name drop time. It's real fun. Uh, Clunk. That's the sound of the name. I'm going to do that. I'm going to rattle them off very quickly (laughs) so that they don't seem like they matter because they don't. Uh, So those names are um, Don Cheadle, uh, Jamie Presley, Gene Simmons, 
Stan Lee, James Woods, Joe Troman, the guitar player from Fallout Boy. Uh, <laughs> I mentioned the last part because no one knows Joe Troman just by itself. <laughs> but some OG Fallout Boy fans out there listening to this podcast are like, oh my God. Oh my God, did you touch him? Did you ever wash that hand again? Don't. I definitely didn't. Uh, Reba McIntyre. Uh, yeah, that's that's kind of most of the ones that I can think of. Um, but the situation was the same every single time where you ask them, can I get you some water? They say yes or no. You hand it to them. Do you have any questions about the car? No. Great. And then you hang around with your arms, uh, clasped behind your back, uh, wondering if they're ever going to talk to you. And it makes no difference in your life. Even though I met this people, the thing after the first couple, I was like, oh, none of this matters. None of these famous people matter at all. And I might be able to tell someone this story that I met this person, but then it's like, where does it go from there? Yeah, I met this person. Okay. And? They continued on with their life. <laughs> right. And so did I. I went home at night to my two-person-to-a-bedroom apartment in Studio City, and they never thought about me again. Uh, <laughs> I told them all about James Woods and then I made everyone sit down and watch Casino mm-hmm. twice. Mm-hmm. I'll be honest. I hollered, Seven hours later. I hollered at James Woods from the window of the smart car because he and another guy were looking at the car when I was out on a test drive with somebody. And hey, you can buy this. I shouted. I rolled down the window. I made the. I just made the motion like I was rolling down the window. Only half the models had power windows. Some of them did have a crank window <laughs> <laughs> at that point. <laughs> and I yelled, hey, Mr. Woods, the dealerships are on the corner. So if you'd like a test drive, come see me. I'll take you around the block. And he was like, thanks. Meanwhile, they were probably just like, oh, man, look at the size of that car. Who would ever drive that? <laughs> uh, well, just And just imagining you driving one of those cars. Well, that's the other thing is I think that's <laughs> half of why they hired me was because I'm six foot four and a half. And people would be like, oh, there's no leg room. You can never fit in that car. But you actually can if you're tall. And so I think they hired me as a prop as a demonstration to be like, look at this man. He's enormous. Watch him fit in this tiny car. <laughs> look at this giant get into this tiny car. Mm-hmm. You, you should just, you should have gone to the circus. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone else who bring worked- your smart car to the circus and be like, have I got an act for you? <laughs> Watch how many giants we can fit into the smart car. One, <laughs> one and we're done. But boy, it's a good deal. Mm-hmm. Who wants one? Hi, hi. <laughs> Yeah, seltzer water bottles to the face, all that. Yeah, the whole Would you like thing. some water? Uh, not like that. Uh, you'll never work in this town again. Um, so, uh, yeah, uh, met like met these people, and that was kind of like fun and entertaining. It added like something to the the doldrums of that particular job and and like lifestyle and everything. But still, I wasn't auditioning for anything. I wasn't like nothing was happening. It wasn't making me enough money to do, to earn, like I couldn't take classes at UCB, uh, which was the theater that I, the only theater improv theater or otherwise that I went to aside from going to see wicked at the Pantages. Uh, it was good all, call. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, uh, so UCB was the only theater that I went to and I saw a bunch of shows there and I went to like an open jam that they had, but the 
never in my experience never go to an open jam in los angeles because that just sounds like a bunch of animals all Mm. fighting for the same carcass right yeah it's not because they know anything about improv it's because they're all actors who want to get seen uh so i brought my headshots (laughs) (laughs) i had them professionally done they're in the glove box (laughs) it took me two months of work to afford them Please look at them. Dear God. I could have been that person if I had gotten the headshots done, but I never did. (laughs) I could have been desperate too. Yeah. I was a step behind. Um, so, but I like, I went to a couple of those jams and you'd get on stage for like three minutes and do some improv, but like it, none of it was good. All of it was just offer heavy and nobody cared about each other or was listening. It was, it was garbage, uh, essentially. And they offered classes, but classes were like $700 for like an eight or 10 week course. So it was super expensive. And I couldn't afford that because I couldn't afford headshots and all these different things. So one of the things that I felt the most strongly about, I couldn't do that either. So I'm just kind of like treading water essentially. And yeah. I'm like, well, this will shake out eventually or somehow will work. Um, my boss keeps on talking about like, we'll have commissions for you guys eventually for the cars, but not right now, but eventually. And so I'm like, okay, well, money's on the horizon. Uh, <laughs> and so that's all happening. Uh, meanwhile, the relationship in San Diego is going, okay, like things are fine. Uh, but not like fantastically well. Yeah. Uh, I still feel like we're both kind of like have like, we don't know if the other person's taking it seriously enough. And so we have like, like, we have a foot in, but not our entire body to the like relationship. Yeah. Um, so I'm investing all this time though, to try to make things work, but it's not really like panning out emotionally. It's not making me feel more secure about the relationship or about my life in Los Angeles, but kind of the opposite of it's taking that much time out. Right. And it is a relief to get out of the city. I actually really like San Diego. Uh, the time that I spent there, I enjoyed like learning about, the city and the place and everything like that. And, uh, and all of that. But, uh, it, uh, and I enjoyed, like, I obviously enjoyed this, the time that like I spent with her and like, she's like a great person, but it just wasn't quite, uh, we were a bit too, like, I think afraid or like, uh, cautious to like, kind of like fully commit to things or whichever. Yeah. Um, Plus, it's hard when you only see the person for a couple days every other week to maintain a, a, a sense of intimacy uh, to really get more serious about the relationship. Yeah. So we're in March. I moved in November. We're at about March now. And I had a hard day at work. And I've, I've come home from work, and I went to Ralph's, the grocery store that's right next to my apartment building. And I'm like, I'm going to treat myself. I'm going to rent a DVD from Blockbuster and watch a movie. You fucking daredevil. <laughs> I know. You absolute maniac. Well, now I'm really going to punch it up to 10. Uh, <laughs> did you get, I almost said, did you get a Blu-ray? But I have no idea how long ago this was. So maybe it Blu-rays exist. existed then, but nobody owned a Blu-ray player quite yet. Well, yeah. Yeah. Uh, this was back in the days where HD video, uh, though, like the alternate to Blu-ray still existed. And you had to choose which, oh, yeah. which format you were going to invest in and then HD Discs died and Blu-ray mm. succeeded. And now everyone Long streams anything, so nothing <laughs> matters. Yeah, Laserdisc is still around oh, I uh, love those. for the purists. Um, so I rent a DVD and I buy a Nestle Toll House uh, cookie ice cream sandwich. I don't know if you know the type I mean. Oh, I do. With the yellow wrapper. Mm-hmm. 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 So I buy one of those. 
And I trip and I throw it on James Woods. <laughs> <laughs> and he says, you'll never work in this town again. Uh, Are you that car guy? <laughs> <laughs> I know you from somewhere. Um, so I'm walking across the parking lot back towards my apartment and I take a bite into it. Now, here's an important piece of information about me for this story. Uh, I was born without four adult teeth where I had the baby teeth, but I did not have adult replacements. That's why right now I'm showing Sam a gap in my teeth that I have where I had one of these baby teeth, but I did not have the adult replacement. Now at this point in the story in Los Angeles, that baby tooth at the age of 22 is still in my mouth. And I bite bite (laughs) down into that frozen hard Nestle Toll House ice cream cookie sandwich and it breaks and I feel the tooth break and it like rattles back into my mouth and I have to like cough to make sure I don't swallow it. Not that it matters at this point anyway. (laughs) And it's like breaking, it's broken down to like the gum line and like Uh, I grab it and I'm instantly like, Oh fuck. What am I going to do? Glue a chiclet in there. (laughs) (laughs) Chicklets are too expensive. I couldn't afford that. Um, <laughs> right. A Tic Tac, uh, a pretzel, who knows something. <laughs> you can put a Pez in there, but you have to change it out more frequently. It's going to dissolve faster. Right. And then I have to like choose between like uh, mint and lemon to get the color right to match the other teeth. Plus I think they say Pez. <laughs> I think they're printed on one side. Yeah. So I don't have any dental insurance. I don't have any health insurance. So there's like nothing I can do. I just, and and I'm like, will they even let me go to work tomorrow? Are they like, it like just, it shatters my self-confidence about my own appearance. Cause I'm already like a little, I was already like a little self-conscious, uh, conscious about my teeth. Cause it looked like a baby tooth. Like it didn't look quite like it wasn't horrible, but it didn't look right. You could tell something was, was up with my grill. Yeah. Um, (laughs) But now it's missing and I have this gap in my teeth and I'm just panicking, like first with work, like, am I going to be able to keep my job? So I think I might've like called them or emailed them to be like, to let you know this happened. Can I still come to work? And they're like, yeah, you can still come to work. <laughs> but just don't demonstrate how durable this car is by biting <laughs> assorted parts of it. We don't want you to lose any more of these teeth. <laughs> uh, so uh, I, I go to work and they're like, they're like, you're going to get it fixed, right? And I was like, prep, probably, <laughs> like eventually or whatever. You going to start paying me commission? <laughs> sure. And wh- the Vinny, the guy who worked there, who's like, I got connections. He had one connection where he was like, I've got a dentist you can go see who like, I talk to him. He'll see you for like a hundred bucks or whatever to take a look at the situation and give you some, some information about what I could, uh, how, what we could do to solve this problem or whatever. Not what we could do. He would never say we, what you can do to solve this problem. <laughs> Yank out all the rest so it matches. <laughs> right, yeah, just get you gumless solved. and then slap some dentures in there and you'll be uh, clacking about in no time. <laughs> uh, so he uh, he sends me to this place and the guys was like, okay, well, here's what we could do to like try to like, temporarily like fix the problem or uh, for at least, like I don't know, seven, ten years or whatever. How much is it going to cost? Well, like $4,000 or so. And I'm yeah. like, oh, okay, well, that's not happening. Mm-hmm. So... I'm still think at this point, I'm like, wh- what am I going to do? Maybe like, maybe I can still work. Maybe it's not that bad. Maybe I could still make this work, make this happen. 
and get like one job that'll pay me enough money that will pay for that, the dental repair. And then I'll, that'll get taken care of. So I audition. I finally, I land an audition and I audition for NBC's hosted by Howie Mandel deal or no deal. Uh, was it a deal or no deal? Well, you're about to find out. <laughs> do you remember the, that game show? Yes. Yeah. So briefcases yeah. Uh, has nothing to do with knowledge or skill, just random luck and yeah. deciding. There's about, an arcade version of that game. That must be the most boring arcade game in the world. Let's put a lot of money in that. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I auditioned for the show and all you do on the audition is they say to you, all right, you just opened a case worth $20,000. How do you react? And you react. You cheer. Uh, they open the case. That You're says, like, nah, I've seen bigger. <laughs> right. That's a case worth $1. How do you react? What? Like, or whatever. Like, and <laughs> I've seen smaller. <laughs> this is why I don't do anything that requires the approval of others, because mm. I'm just a jackass <laughs> morning till night. You, don't, you wouldn't want to get the job. You just want to stick it to them. <laughs> like, I'd be like, why am I? Here's what I think of your game show, you corporate <laughs> hacks. I've seen better briefcases. <laughs> right. These are. Put a little money in, man. Get some Samsonite. Let's get some chrome on these things. <laughs> this is just gray. You know, I work at a car dealership. I can get you some chrome on those suitcases. <laughs> the, next, the next day after the audition, I went back to the same Sony lot to bring a smart car to the lot for some promotional event. So I really felt like I was in the industry for a couple of days. I'm going to the lot and checking it out. <laughs> but no, how did the audition go? Uh, back to that. It, yeah, so it went pretty well, I think. I reacted quite well. And when I got done, they were like, Hey, uh, nice job. You, you had lots of energy. You were enthusiastic. You were listening and invested in what was going on. So great job with all that. I'm really glad that you, uh, you put so much energy into it and like, we're really focused. So what's going on with those teeth? (laughs) (laughs) You were like, they're in my head. (laughs) Yeah. That was as much of a segue as they gave me. There wasn't like a, so we have one other question. It just went from like, great job. What's up with your jacked up choppers? (laughs) (laughs) And I be like, well, technically all of the ones you see are fine. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) They're not the problem. Right. Right. So I, I, uh, I panic and I'm like, Oh, I'm going to get him get a good fix. Like next week I've got an appointment or whatever. This just happened, which it had just happened. Yeah. And I'm trying to come up with these excuses, but it, it looks like I'm sure I look to them like a five-year-old who like, uh, like there's crayon all over the walls and the parents walk in and they say like, well, what happened here? Uh, well, uh, an elf ran into the room and picked up the crayons and started scribbling. And I tried to tell the elf, like, I'll give you my toys if you don't scribble on the walls. And the elf was like, no, nah, I'm born to scribble. That's what elves do. <laughs> born to scribble. <laughs> That's right. I have that tattooed on my lower back, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, there's that might be an episode title. <laughs> I just I can't not make notes about things. So they know I'm full of shit. They know that I'm I'm lying about my teeth. Like they, I'm sure they could smell it or whatever. And so I tell them my response of like, hey, I'm getting it taken care of. Because in my mind, I'm like, if I can, if I get cast. And I know I can have a chance of winning like at least some money. Like I can put that money back into my teeth. Like all I need is to get, just get me the job and I'll be all right. <laughs> like I'll be pretty on television. Uh, oh man, we went to Requiem for a Dream there for a moment. Um, 
That's how I felt a little bit. Uh, so needless to say, I never heard anything back from them in any regard. Uh, I did not get the part. I did not make it on the game show, anything of that. So I didn't even get invited to be a part of the studio audience. Uh, Oh yeah. (laughs) Well, I don't know if that would have gotten me to that point anyway, but, uh, yeah. So I heard, uh, actually, no, that's not true. I'm misremembering. They did give me a no. They did tell me, uh, I'm sorry, but no, thank you. But no, uh, because I remember that feeling of rejection of, okay, if I can't get cast in deal or no deal because of my teeth, I am never going to get cast in anything in this town ever, because if that's a problem for them, where you're playing a real life person who might have that was kind of my thought. Like, don't you want people to look convincingly like normal humans? So ever since, and I've looked at every game show differently and everyone on game shows, like even if they might like look slightly like a real American, they always have nice teeth. They always are presentable. They're wearing clean clothing. They have a haircut. Uh, no one like rolls in there who just like came from, like they. No one's gonna look like they're at the drum circle at the Northwest Folklife Festival. Uh, <laughs> uh, even though they like, and when I say real Americans, like let me be transparent. What I mean is uh, they have fat people on the show, uh, but they don't have like hideously ugly non-groomed. Uh, like people on the show. That's not me being like, I don't mean to be like insulting or anything. They might have people who don't like, who, who look like atypical outside of corporate Hollywood standards. Yeah. But they're not going that far. Right. At most they get people who like, like I, like I'm overweight. Uh, I was like moderately, like not as overweight as I am now or whatever. But like at that point they might put me on the show because of that. But if your teeth are busted, they're not going to put you on the show. If you have a glass eye, they're not going to put you on the show. Uh, if you, uh, I don't know, uh, have a, a speech impediment, they might not put you on the show. Like there are things I feel like where they draw the line and good teeth are one of those things. Yeah. Um, I want to, I don't agree with them obviously. Cause I would have loved to get, take their money uh, <laughs> and would like for other people who are up against those same uh, issues as I did to have that money. Um, but it was, yeah, it was just this realization, this dawning of like, I'm never going to have enough money to fix my teeth. I'm never going to have enough money to uh, be presentable and to be able to get hired on for a gig. At the most, I'm going to play prison inmate number two on a Jean-Claude Van Damme B movie uh, for the rest of my life. And I might be able to... But out of how many inmates? (laughs) Uh, Is this like two of six? uh, That's pretty good. It could be right. I might get a line uh, (laughs) in some movie. They might let me speak uh, once. Uh, So it was this like realization along the way of like, I'm I'm not going to ever work doing this. It's never like at this particular moment. uh, It's not going to... In my current situation, financially and mentally, it's not going to work. So why would I really want to stay here? So this brings on to like another point of the whole thing, which is Los Angeles itself. Have you been to L.A. much? Just a bit. I have a couple of friends who live down there, so I have visited, but I haven't really like I've never had a car. Sure. So I just you're at their whims go where I can mill around. I've done the uh, transit trip from Anaheim to like downtown, mm-hmm. which is thrilling uh, on a, uh, on a bus or rail system or uh, it was a bus 
to like the commuter rail okay to downtown and then uh, from there like the metro system or a surface bus like to assorted places got it my whole goal going down there was like okay friend i'm gonna stay with you for i think the longest i was there was like two and a half weeks yeah and i was like just pretend that like don't worry about me i just pseudo live here now i'm gonna go <laughs> mill around and pretend that i'm a citizen of this state sure and she would be like, I'm not going to be around a lot. Like, I'm not going to be able to host and things. I'm like, don't worry. Go live your life. <laughs> if we end up in the same place, that's great. <laughs> Otherwise, I'm just going to camp out on your couch. <laughs> yeah, not a bad approach to have. Like, yeah, do your own thing. Um, you probably use public transportation more like than 95% of the people in Los Angeles kind of what I figured. any given year. <laughs> Uh, no one uses the subway because it only goes to like five points. Yeah. Uh, it's super inefficient. It doesn't make any sense. Los Angeles is huge. Uh, I've still got my tap card. <laughs> well, good. I don't know why I've saved it. Well, so you can reload it when you go back. and uh, <laughs> When I go to make it big. <laughs> right. Then oh, you're boy. all set. I don't have the cooperation skills for that. Yeah. Well, uh, I don't I don't blame you for not wanting to. Um, so... The city itself, to me, because I'm uh, I was born in Seattle when I was 11. I moved to the Bellingham area, then moved back to Seattle about six years ago. Aside from that, you're in L.A., so I spent most of my time in the Northwest. Yep. And the city itself, because I love cities, but Los Angeles is weird in that in all the cities that I've been to, it doesn't feel like any of the other cities because it's so sprawling and so huge yeah. that there isn't really a downtown cultural center. Technically there is downtown LA, but up until recently it was basically uh, financial institutions have skyscrapers and no one lives there except for uh, homeless people who live downtown. Yeah. Um, now they're in the last 10 years, they were just starting when I lived there to try to change it, to make like lofts and make it like re revamp and, uh, give a facelift to downtown LA and make it a livable place. Yeah. But at least when I was there, no one lived there. So if there's not downtown, like in Seattle, like there's arts downtown, like, or there's culture or things to do museums, uh, theaters, uh, markets, stuff like that in downtown Seattle, yeah. you can find stuff outside of that, but you know, you can find it there. That was not the case in LA. You didn't know where to go. So you ended up having to travel like all over the city to different places to get to different things that you wanted to do. Yeah. In between those things is uh, concrete uh, dust, uh, strip malls, strip clubs, uh, and assorted just like whatever. Uh, yeah, there are some very sad stretches of road. There are, and like none of it feels, uh, uh, none of it feels uh, important or or noteworthy uh, for, the, in my opinion, or whatever. Like it all just kind of like is a wash from one neighborhood to the other. I mean, neighborhoods change a little bit. If it's Beverly Hills, obviously, or Bel Air, people are wealthy or whatever. If it's uh, North Hollywood people or Van Nuys people aren't as wealthy or whatever. Yeah. Um, it, yeah. So it changes in that way, but it never feels like you like are in the heart of the city, in my opinion, because some people will be like, Oh, things are really like happening, happening and cool over in Los Feliz or uh, Echo Lake. Uh, or no, like all the cool stuff is going down in uh, NoHo or, or 
Pasadena. Well, not Pasadena, but. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Pasadena. Right. Or Santa Monica or West Hollywood or, uh, or whatever. Um, but for me, it, I never got that sense. And so it, uh, Los Angeles never got its hooks in me. There was never something about the city where I was like, I love this. I want to keep living here. Even if I have to struggle, I love the place where I'm at. So as a result, I want to be here and thrive here and, and struggle because this is such a great place. Yeah. Uh, did you see La La Land? No. Okay. So the opening of the movie, this isn't a spoiler because it's the very beginning. They have a musical number on a freeway. It's a musical? God <laughs> damn it. It is a musical. Did you really not know that? No, I did. Okay. I was like, <laughs> wow. Okay. How was my line reading? <laughs> it was, I believed you fully. But how are your teeth? They're not great. <laughs> I'm just, I'm, I'm I got a little, I got a weird overlap thing in the front. Sure. And I have like vampire teeth too. But that can be cool. I mean, if you need blood, you got it at a moment's notice. Speaking of James Woods, maybe <laughs> I could be in a vampire movie too. I don't see why not. I would cast you. Um, your line reading was fantastic. Thank you. So, uh, La La Land musical opens on the freeways of Los Angeles. Everyone's in traffic. They get out of their cars and they sing the song all together as a group about uh, their dream. Like it's a sunny day in LA and we have this dream and we all want to accomplish it. And like, that's why we're here. And this is where our dreams are going to come true. I watched that movie and it gave me like a PTSD flashback <laughs> where I like it. it almost, I gotta say just from your description of the first song, I hate this movie already. <laughs> You, well, hold, no, hold on. It gets better. There's a white man who tries to save jazz. Does that make you feel better about it? Does that make you? There's feel- a white man in it. <laughs> what? Oh, I'm in. I thought Ryan Gosling was actually a goose. This is unacceptable. He could. I mean, make that animated movie. I'd watch him play that part. Or listen to him play that part, rather. I have so many good ideas I never even knew I had. Jot them down. <laughs> So <laughs> I'm pretty sure I've made that joke before. I keep doing it. It's a, uh, it's good every time <laughs> it never loses its luster. Uh, in my opinion. uh, so, uh, anyway, yeah, th- the feeling that is expressed in that song at the beginning of the movie, like it makes me bitter, uh, because I never felt that in the slightest. Like I never got that feeling of just like, Oh yeah, this is where I want to struggle. Like, Everyone struggles. Everyone, well, most people struggle. Uh, everyone has that thing that they come up against. But if, if you're in a place where you're like, I like where I am, it makes the struggle so much easier. Yeah. And L.A. was like an antithesis of what I wanted to experience as far as like the location, because like it was super hot all the time. It was. Oh, it's miserable. It certainly can be. And we did not have AC in our apartment <laughs> at all because it was not that expensive. Um, it, uh, yeah, it's dry and dusty. It never rains, which I miss the rain when it does rain, it floods. Uh, I lived right next to the LA river, which don't let the name. It's river. not a river. No, it's yeah, fake. You know. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, I've seen Terminator too mm-hmm. <laughs> and every other movie yeah. in there. So, uh, that's kind of like on the East side of LA where like all that's filled like Greece and Terminator two, uh, on the, in the Valley, it's like a U shaped cement cut like ditch, uh, like a hard U, like straight down the sides, <laughs> flat across the bottom with a little, uh, channel in the center of it. That's lowered. 
Um, it's not. And right next to it, weirdly, the river spells out an F. And if you look <laughs> at it from space, it says F U. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh, so the 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 river up there is not the wide expanse that you see, like in Greece, when they're drag racing in the middle of the thing. Uh, it it's that you. But the problem is, if it floods, if anyone is in it, uh, you're dead. Uh, and people do die that way because if it rains, everything drains to that river, uh, river quotes. Um, and then it goes from being like a trickle to being 10 feet high with sheer vertical walls on either side. So when it rained a lot, we went out and walked down to the, the river to look at it. And it was like immense and just like rampaging. And it was crazy because normally there's no water in LA and, a fire truck pulled up behind us and they stop and they activate a spotlight and start searching the river. And I'm like, Oh, someone was in it or fell into it further upstream and they're looking for the body yeah. and somebody's dead right now. Some there's a dead body floating past us in this particular river. And I'm like, these are the rivers that LA has to offer. This is the nature that LA has to offer <laughs> is, uh, a death trap, essentially. Yeah. Uh, so, and again, I come from Seattle or the Pacific Northwest, so my idea of nature is a little bit different. Uh, the only positive that I kind of that I fell into a little bit that I really enjoyed was that when I was working at the car dealership, every day I traveled from Studio City to Beverly Hills, which taking the freeways was going to be slower. So instead, I drove up Laurel Canyon Boulevard, across Mulholland Drive, and down Coldwater Canyon Boulevard. Mulholland Drive, uh, not just a David Lynch movie, uh, is the name of the windy road that travels across the Santa Monica Mountains, and that separates the valley from Los Angeles. Yeah. Uh, that's what the Hollywood signs sign is on top of, is the Santa Monica Mountains. So my commute every single day was driving on this slow, windy road, and uh, it was gorgeous. Like the, the view was great. It was nice. Some days it would be like foggy in this beautiful way. The lights, if I was driving back home at night, uh, there was an appeal to that. I enjoyed that. But when the highlight of your experience in a city is your commute, <laughs> something is wrong. It's nice and long. Gives you a lot of time to think about your choices. Yeah, it sure does. <laughs> like, what am I doing here? Um, I, d- I do want to touch back. The, uh, another enjoyable part was I mentioned earlier that we had an annual season pass to uh, Universal Studios. So sometimes on the weekends where I wasn't driving to San Diego, me and my uh, three roommates would wake up in the morning, kind of tumble out of bed. Um, <laughs> also, man, it is like living at having two two beds and two people in the same bedroom is just not something like if you're in a dorm in college, like that's fine. But like, if you're living on your own, like, thank God I already had a girlfriend because there's no way that you could be like, Hey, come back to my place and let me kick my roommate onto the couch so we can go fool around. <laughs> Let's kick yeah. him onto the couch that the other two are probably also on. Cause they're not in their room. Right. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so, uh, we would get up in the morning, uh, and be like, what do you guys want to do today? Um, uh, do you have any money? No. Want to go ride Jurassic Park? Yeah. <laughs> so we would walk a mile, go into Universal Studios, ride Jurassic Park three times in a row, and then walk back home. Because <laughs> we had already been on the tram tour so many times. King Kong burnt down while we were living there. 
Uh, oh, shit. <laughs> they have, they've rebuilt it. And now it's kind of like a virtual experience with like screens and stuff. But before it was all animatronic gorilla heads and yeah. stuff like that. But it, yeah, it caught fire um, while we were living there. And uh, so we didn't want to do anything else. So all we did was just ride Jurassic Park because it's the best ride there. Uh, not, they have a Harry Potter area now, so maybe it's different. Oh, yeah. They got all kinds of fancy shit going on. Yeah. They, uh, one of my friends does uh, like freelance lighting. Mm-hmm. And lighting design, and she works on Halloween Horror Nights okay. every year. Uh, I don't love jump scares. Neither uh, does she, which is so funny. Mm. Like Every time she actually goes to work like in one of the mazes, you have to walk through it. Yeah. And it's like people just want to fuck with you. She's like, leave me alone. I hate this. <laughs> <laughs> I, I went through their haunted house that they have year round. But I'm like, if I go there during like the Halloween period, like it's going to be nonstop jump scares and I don't really want to experience that. Uh, so I did not go there for that part of the year. Um, so, uh, yeah, that was another part that I enjoyed was like, yeah, you have access to, to a theme park, which is kind of fun. Like when is that going to happen again in my life that I could just like wake up in the morning and be like, I'm going to ride the Simpsons ride. I'm going (laughs) to, I'm going to have the shark jump out of the water and like scare me or, look longingly at the desperate housewives set or something of that sort. Oh man. So they, they've gotten rid of it, but they had like the backdraft studio experience. Uh, I'm surprised that didn't burn down. (laughs) You would think, but they're prepared, but that is, it's essentially like, okay, stand against this wall while we blow fire at you. (laughs) I would do that. <laughs> it was like, I'm not going to say I didn't have a good time. It was enjoyable in some ways, but it's just like, this is the most like simple, like it's just like, okay, how can we make things burn and then repair itself in 10 minutes so we can have the next group of people watch things burn all over again. <laughs> it's a strange attraction. Uh, so uh, yeah, uh, that, <laughs> that happened. Uh and so eventually like I I'm getting, we're getting back into summer, uh, like July. And I decide that I'm not going to keep working for the, the car company. Like it's just not quite working out. It's not giving me time to do anything. And I'm starting to get the feeling like maybe I'm not going to stay in Los Angeles, but I still need another job. So I get a job working, handing out passes to go see movies for free before they come out. However, I only get paid if people go see the movie. Otherwise, I earn nothing. And you know what the hardest thing in the world is? How do they track that? You have a code on it. Uh, you personally have like these slips of paper that have your own personal code. So when oh. they show up in person, they hand in the slip of paper, they write down, the, they measure the code, and then you get paid $7 for each person that goes to see the movie. At least that's what it was then. I can guarantee that no one receiving those slips of paper has any idea how that works. They probably don't. Uh, I don't remember if we were allowed to tell them like, please do this. Like, it makes me money. Um, I don't think I we need could. A new tooth. <laughs> please go see oh. this movie. <laughs> it's so sad. Cause it's so real. Um, yeah. Uh, I do. Yeah. I needed a new tooth. Go, go see year one, the horrible Jack Black and Michael Sarah caveman movie. <laughs> oh, uh, Jesus. That was one of the ones I handed that passes to. <laughs> 
but people are willing to see, to spend tons of money for the shittiest movies. There's movies out there where I'm just like, how is this making so much money? I don't understand it. But as soon as you're like, this is free, people become suspicious and think, this can't be any good. I can't, no, I'm not going to go see this movie. If it's free, it's got to be garbage. But then it comes out. That is my first thought. <laughs> right, right. But then it comes out like months. And some of them weren't that bad. Like Aquila and the Bee, I don't think it was that bad. Death Race or Death, yeah, Death Race was like a fine action movie. It's not very good. But like people will go pay money to see that later. Jason Statham's in it. He's the transporter. People are going to pay money to see the transporter. Uh, <laughs> so it was difficult to get people to go. Uh, like you would hand out so many passes and be like, Oh, surely this like got people to go see it. And they just wouldn't. Um, so that job's not really working out for me. It's enough again to pay my rent. I start to have to like ask my parents like towards the end, like I'm probably moving home. Can you help me? Cause like, I don't have this other job. Like can I borrow some money? So I did. And, but now I have this decision to make, which is I finally, I'm like, I can't do this anymore. I can't do LA. I'm not happy. I made this very dramatic Facebook post in like July being like, uh, it was like titled like lost in the city of angels. It was back where you could like write like notes or whatever. Oh, the oh notes. yeah. Notes. I forgot notes. Uh, it probably still exists, uh, on Facebook. If you want to go back and see it, uh, you wouldn't want to, uh, but I essentially like, kind of like tell everybody and like disclose, which was hard to do, like to tell everyone I know and all of my friends back home and everyone I'm connected to on Facebook, um, back in 2008, uh, that I'm unhappy and I am miserable and this isn't working and I don't like where I live and I don't like this city and, uh, I've gained weight and I don't, I'm missing a tooth and like all these problems are happening and I don't know what to do. And so people reached out and they were super supportive and super nice. And it just kind of gave me this feeling of like, I just don't want to be here anymore. So now I've still got this relationship though, to kind of like be like, well, what do I do with that? This has been my priority kind of throughout the year to kind of make this work and make this happen. So I ended up spending a lot more time in San Diego and eventually kind of like come to the conclusion, like if I move to San Diego, I'm going to move in with her and I don't have a job I don't know what I'm going to do once I move there. I don't have a career lined up. I don't know where I'm going to work. I might get a, like a, a minimum wage job or something like that. But I'm going to move in with her, and I'm going to be a burden upon her. I, she's going to start to resent me uh, for my lack of direction. For uh, like, I knew I wasn't in a good place uh, mentally or emotionally. So I'm like, I'm not going to move down there and be like let's go get them. Like, let's, let's start a new career and figure out where my future is going from here. I was like, I'm going to wallow. Like no matter where I go from here, like it, this is going to take some time to like recover from because yeah. I've come out of college. My degree now seems like it was for nothing. Uh, I don't know where to go as far as like trying to do anything with it. So I'm like kind of lost. Uh, I don't know where to go from there. And so partially because of my own like feelings in the relationship, but partially because like I felt like lost and insecure and I didn't feel confident enough to be like, I'm going to move in with you and we're going to build uh, an intimate cohabitational uh, relationship together uh, in San Diego. So instead I was like, I'm sorry, but I'm going to move back to Ferndale <laughs> and move. Yeah. What was parents. her take on all this as it was happening? 
she asked a bunch about like, she was like, I don't like, are you auditioning for things? Like she was kind of curious or concerned about like, you moved down there to do this. Why aren't you doing the thing that you went down there to do? And my response as always was, I don't have any money. Uh, I can't pay for this. I can't uh, afford. Now, if I'm being honest in, in retrospect, uh, it was a self-confidence issue. It was a not having a plan. Uh, it was those pieces as well that kind of kept me from doing those things and from going after those things. It was a little bit of money, a little bit of lack of planning, and a little bit of lack of confidence. Yeah. Um, but she didn't. Uh, she was confused appropriately. So I probably would have been too. Of of like, why are you putting yourself through this if you're not actually getting from it what you want? Um, so she was okay with the, the fact that I was willing to kind of give up that dream. She wasn't like upset at me or second or wanted me to, to see if I, maybe that was really what I wanted. I was just giving up early. Um, but did she, did she broach the idea of like you moving down to San Diego too? Or was that just like a thought that ran through your head? She didn't tell me, uh, you should do this. You should move in. Please come move in with me. But uh, it was like a, once I was like, I'm going to leave LA. She was like, okay, where are, are we splitting up? And I was like, I don't know. I, in order for us to not split up, I either have to move down there or I have to move back home. And then we were both kind of like discussing it from there. There yeah. was never a proper invitation. Um, that was kind of one of the problems in the relationship in general was like throughout the course of it, it just kind of felt like we're continuing on with this, but we're not necessarily like, really for being someone who was like, this is my first priority. I wasn't really getting a lot in return that year. It kind of felt like she yeah. was half in it uh, herself. Cause she also, I think still felt a little abandoned because I hadn't stuck with her from immediately from graduating college and being like, I'm with you and that's first and I'm next to you the entire time. Um, so I had to make that decision and make that choice. And it was really hard uh, to decide what I wanted to do, but I uh, ultimately kind of decided a little like towards the end of August that I was going to move back home. Uh, so I did. And it took a while to kind of like piece things like back together. I lived in my parents' basement for like two and a half, three years. I got into an improv theater, the upfront theater up in Bellingham and yeah. started doing things there. I got into a, a uh, joined a sketch group. Uh, a few months into moving back home and that helped a lot because it had like kind of a core group of people that I could, uh, that I could work with and be friends with. Uh, I started dating somebody else a few months after I came back and like, that was a really good thing. But the sense of what am I doing next? Like what now? Um, that didn't really, uh, I don't know if it has, I'm like, to be honest, like, I don't know that I've yet discovered or decided that thing. Yeah. There are things that I know that I am passionate about, that I uh, care about, that I know that I'm good at and talented at, but a lot of them are, they're not careers. Uh, it's not like a way to like live your life uh, as far as like the main cornerstone of what you're doing. I'm still kind of like looking for that particular thing. Yeah. But I know that struggling to play, to get the inmate number two, job for like the whole rest of my life. And that's all <laughs> that's I ever not the thing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and I, I did also run into the whole, like, uh, you need to lose 30 pounds or gain 30 pounds. You need to be the fat best friend or you need to be the skinny buff dude. Uh, I ran into that too while I was there and I was just yeah. like, okay, well I'll try and like 
I swung both ways uh, while uh, that sounds strange uh, <laughs> while I was down there. Like I lost some weight and then I gained some weight back. Um, but like, I don't want to have to like with the teeth thing and everything, I was just like, like my body's not my own. I have to operate it as a tool based off of what other people want, like from me. Uh, and no matter what, I'm never going to be able to, unless I really make it and somehow like struck strike gold and, become famous essentially I'm never going to be able to do the projects that I want to do yeah uh, I will not have creative control over my performances and my and my work and uh, and all of that uh, if I'm constantly just grinding to get like a speaking part on some sitcom for one episode's guest star uh, and that is not interesting to me like I realize like that's not what I want like that's not what I want to do even if I'm never famous and never rich, I would rather be able to cultivate, cultivate and create my own content and do things that I care about uh, and be poor than have a moderate amount of, I mean, if I made it like rich and became famous and could do whatever I wanted, that's great. No one would turn that down. Like everybody like would love to have that opportunity, yeah. but I don't want to play those odds. Uh, I don't want to. They are very bad. They're extremely bad. <laughs> and meanwhile, you have to live in Los Angeles. So, uh, yeah, ultimately I decided against it. Um, so like, that's kind of like the story of sorts. Uh, I think I kind of hit all the points that I, I wanted to. Let me check my one. Yeah, sure. Take a look. Yeah. Unless there's more to the aftermath, sure. We hit that. Yeah, we've we've kind of hit that. Like now, like I, uh, uh, I'm an improviser first and foremost. I haven't really gotten back into acting like I did in college, um, but I teach improv now. Uh, I perform. I do side gigs here and there, some small like commercial things or a murder mystery or whatever. And uh, it's interesting. Like I have to. I've had to learn to like value what it is that I'm good at because it's not necessarily valued by society. Uh, people will come to your shows or see your, your projects and things like that. And you might receive praise, but it doesn't feel like the world at large gives a shit about what you're doing. And they oh, don't, yeah. Yeah. And they don't care about, uh, uh, sorry to get in my soapbox for a minute, but like no one gives a shit about improv, uh, unless you are an improviser or you're in like, or you're an actor. Like now improv is like a thing that every actor should know how to do and take classes. And then, but it's, it's, it's a tool. It's not an art form. It's like one of the same things where like people like acting, like there are the Gregory awards, but like no improviser ever receives a Gregory award. No improvised show ever does, even though it still involves acting. Well, we should just be making up a different award ceremony every year. <laughs> I mean, if we want to stay on theme, yeah. improvise an award ceremony. Right. Uh, we get a suggestion for the name of an award ceremony that doesn't exist. Right. Sold. <laughs> hey, CL Times, you want to publish these improv awards that were given out? <laughs> uh, some improve awards? What do they improve on? <laughs> Comedy. Ah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, I, I want to do this now, but I want to do improvised awards <laughs> for improv. Sure. Why not? It's not the dumbest idea I've ever come up with. I mean, I'm not going to lie. We, uh, we, 
uh, circle jerk each other anyway. Like we, we find ways to, uh, find our own accomplishment, like to get praise from each other. Or oh whatever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, that happens a lot, but my, uh, that's kind of getting away from my point, which was that you have to be able to find your own satisfaction in what you do. Yeah. Uh, finding recognition for those things is not, uh, you may not get that, but if you're happy with the result, if you can find happiness in the, uh, if you talk to one person after a show and they, they talk about what they loved about it or what they noticed about it, uh, that one person like that can have an impact or that can like keep you going. Um, and just finding satisfaction yourself of just being like, this is a connection I made on stage tonight with someone else. Uh, and that connection is enough. Like, because if nothing like in your, like you, your entire life happens inside your own head, you never get the opportunity to exit your head and be like, okay, well here's the, the real, you don't have that Tom Sawyer moment of like seeing your own funeral. Most people don't at least, yeah. uh, and being like, oh, here's what people really thought of me or here's what they think. Uh, you don't get that highlight reel. So if you have a moment on stage with somebody else or whether it's music or improv or acting or art or whatever it is that you do or uh, accounting, uh, sports, whatever, you name it, uh, your highlight reel will always be in your own head. So if you can, if the highlight for you is like you nailed a, a show and like there was three people in the audience and they lost their shit because they thought something was hilarious or you made someone cry because they were touched by something that you did. Like that is just as important because that's what you'll remember as opposed to the thing that someone else gives you, uh, uh, in terms of like praise or press or things like that. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I want press. I want press. <laughs> <And> press. <laughs> uh, I'm just as monetary compensation else. would also be super. Right. Yeah. And any variety of free drinks. Sure. <laughs> right. Uh, all the tangerine LaCroix I can get. Ooh, or peach pear. Or peach pear. <laughs> this, this, is, this is how I compensate people and mm-hmm. recognize them for their time. Happy to have it. So I want to boil it down, though, like because I don't, even though it didn't work out for me, like I don't, would never want to tell anyone, and I don't to this day, if people ask me, like, uh, what did you do? Uh, when you move to LA, like my instant reaction is to be like, I failed. Uh, <laughs> and they're like, no, but like, how did you make it work? And I'm like, I didn't. Um, you see how we're talking right now and neither <laughs> one of us is in LA. Mm-hmm. There's your answer. Right. Yeah. But there are definitely things to take, to take away from it for me. Uh, the things that are the most important to me, if you are going to do it right, I've told you, here's what you don't do. Uh, here's <laughs> what you do. Uh, here's what you lean towards yes. in your decision making. Uh, even though like anyone who wants to move there, you're probably a starving artist. Have some money, like get your headshots, have some money saved up, have enough money that you can at least keep yourself on your feet. And I don't mean just pay the bills. I mean like afford clothes for an audition, because you're supposed to look nice, have money for headshots. If you don't have headshots, uh, be able to afford transportation to get yourself around town. Uh, you drive a lot. Gas was four fifty a gallon that summer, so it wasn't oh, easy. Shit. And you were driving to San Diego. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You wonder wonder where all that money went. Oh, I didn't even. Oh, I almost forgot. Uh, this is a, a huge fun ironic point. Uh, I. Uh, Four days after I moved there, the writer's strike started. So Hollywood shut down for five months. 
And the only reason they're still producing game shows is because you don't have to write anything for game shows. So I couldn't have gotten work if I wanted to. Uh, so I went to like picket lines and I went to some rallies and I got to listen to, uh, Seth MacFarlane talk about pro union sentiments in a stewy voice, uh, which was like, oh what is happening? But then like rage against the machine was on the back of a truck performing, uh, songs like for the crowd. It was kind of cool, but it was like this, like what, what, that was one of those, like, where am I? Like, what is life right now? I just, I was, I lived in Bellingham like two weeks ago and now this is happening. That was kind of one of those like, uh, surreal moments. But, uh, anyway, uh, yeah, be prepared financially, have a plan for what you want to do artistically. Don't move there. Cause you want to be rich or famous. Like that's not ever going to work unless you're insanely conventionally attractive. Yeah. Um, know what you want. If you want to do improv, do your research on improv theaters and where you want to perform, where you want to take classes, things like that. Talk to people, email people, hit them up on Twitter, uh, whatever, uh, find ways to connect with people even before you go to get an idea of those types of things. Uh, if you want to do commercial stuff, cater your, uh, resume and your headshots in that direction. If you want to do stage acting, uh, focus yourself in that direction, have a plan for what you want to do and what type of work you want to do. And if you say, I'll take anything that's bullshit, uh, not that you won't take anything, but you need to be focused on the type of thing that you want to go for. Uh, so that you don't get overwhelmed by the sheer number of postings that there are. Focus yourself in one particular direction. Uh, If you're going to make a move like that and change your life, I hate to kind of say this now, but like don't have a girlfriend or boyfriend or partner that is your number one priority. If you're going to shift your entire life, make that your number one priority. Yeah. Uh, That, that might be harsh to say, but like if realistically, that's what you got to do. And if you meet somebody, once you move there, let them know, I care about you. You're important to me, but this is the number one thing for me. Uh, obviously that can change over time. Your priorities shift. Maybe you decide that that's not what you care about anymore. Like I did, but if you're getting started, start, uh, with the utmost in, uh, intention that you could possibly have. Yeah. Um, at the same time, if you're going to work a day job, there's all the jokes about uh, being a waiter or uh, as a server or things like that. They exist for a reason. You can make better money off of less time because of tips. Don't work a minimum wage job. Don't work a job that's going to take away all of your hours for uh, auditioning for things. Um, Don't sell people mustard <laughs> when you could just serve them mustard that they've and, already purchased. Uh, that's so true. Yeah. Be a, be a in-home mustard server. <laughs> That's what that one guy wanted me to be. But um, yeah, just like be prepared, be hungry, uh, know what you want. And, uh, you might get the thing that you're going for, but at the same time, like I know I made the right decision. I don't regret, uh, having gone down there. I don't regret let leaving, uh, People have asked me, would you go back? And my response to them is always, if there was a set job where someone was like, if you come here, this will be the thing that you will do. And I care about it. And that's something I want to do. Yeah, I might consider it. 
but I know the knowledge that that project will probably end in three months and then I'll probably just leave again yeah. because it's and it'll probably... have to drop 20 degrees too. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Let's, let's cool it. Let's cool it, Los Angeles. Uh, I never went to the beach once the entire time that I lived there. I never made it. I went in San Diego. I did, but Los Angeles never. So went much beach. of it is beach. <laughs> Not as much as you would think only along the coast, but like it extends so far. <laughs> I, that sounds Sorry, strange. Did you just point out that there's only beach along the coast? I did. But what I mean by that, <laughs> not sense. Uh, technically there's beach around some of the lakes. Uh, there's a tar pit. <laughs> you could swim in that. Um, but, uh, what I meant is that there's a, a, the amount of coastline is actually pretty limited in terms yeah. of population density. Only so many people live near there. And to get to the beach is like an hour and a half commute so, from where I lived. So you don't really want to go there. I only just happen to know someone who lived in Long Beach. That helps. That helps. And the place she goes is all the other beaches. Got Yeah. You don't want to go. Yeah. Long Beach is more of like a shipping hub than uh, a tropical uh beachy destination or yeah you, you keep going you keep going south and it's like here are pleasant spots yeah oh uh maybe this will be the button i also met ron jeremy at an improv show he was the monologist <laughs> and you tried to sell him some mustard uh <laughs> i should have <laughs> uh i didn't and the only thing i have to say about ron jeremy is that he dresses like a scrub he was wearing like a holy t-shirt and sweat pants uh, but he smelled amazing. I don't what know. What did he smell like? Uh, I, I can't even describe it anymore. But I felt <laughs> success. I, success. <laughs> uh, I wanted to be closer to him, which as long as I kept my eyes shut, I probably could have done. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was weird to be like, Maybe he just like secretes pheromones and that's why he's so that, popular. You know, that was going to be my next question. Yeah. Maybe. Is that, he looks horrible, but once you smell him, it's like a bug zapper. Like, you know, <laughs> you know what's going to happen. It's like a Venus fly trap. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Maybe that's better than a bug zapper. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's, uh, that's Los Angeles. Do you have any questions about <laughs> any of that? We've been talking for a while. I think you laid it out pretty well. Sure. Yeah. Happy, I, happy to, to share that story and that information to anyone else who might be thinking about going to LA. I don't know if they will now, but, uh, I, yeah, I never really had an inclination to now. I know I don't want to. So hey. I've certainly gotten some out of this because I just can't, I can't handle that mustard story. <laughs> it's too good. It's, it's a mandatory thing. The, the first thing you do when you move to LA, you have to work in a mustard related field first and <laughs> then you can work doing other preferably things. digital. <laughs> this is yeah. the future. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> hey, that was a good button. The smell of Ron Jeremy. The smell of Ron Jeremy. <laughs> uh, that's the name of my new Herald group, is The Smell of Ron Jeremy. <laughs> you can check them out uh, Saturdays at uh, uh, the Make Em Ups. The Make Em Ups Club. <laughs> yeah, the Giggle Shack. Yeah, yeah. 8 p.m. Mm-hmm. It's $5 right. unless you bring a funny t shirt and then it's free. 20 seat capacity. So get there <laughs> early. We might sell out our 20 <laughs> seats. 
Well, now that you all have plans for the weekend, <laughs> um, there's what you don't do mm-hmm. and a little bit of what you should think about uh, if you do do something. Right. Um, that's it for us. Thank you, Nathan, Thank for you, joining Sam. us. Thanks for having me. It's been fantastic. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing. Uh, and we'll be back next week with more people to spill their beans. <laughs> Who doesn't love beans? Who doesn't love beans? Um, yeah, that's it for us. Bye. Bye, mustard. Bye, mustard.